Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I got the chance to sit down with local legend Shannon Smith. Her accomplishments in women's lacrosse speak volumes on paper, and thankfully she is here to talk about her experiences, mindset, and philosophies. So after this short shout out to our sponsors, I'll let Shannon tell her story. This message is for all the entrepreneurs and project team leaders that are in need of a graphic designer that is an expert with events, marketing materials, logos, and invitations. You need not look any further than melwalters.com. That's melwalters.com. Melissa was the mastermind behind the logo for Shadows on the Cave Wall. She has also done some amazing work with companies such as TED and Netflix. Check out her site and contact her at melwalters.com. That's melwalters.com. To any aspiring musicians or podcasters that need help with tracking, editing, mixing, and mastering the audio, search no further than Single Track Sound. Brian is the amazingly talented artist behind all of the original music played here on Shadows on the Cave Wall. He is the perfect person who can help with any size project. Head over to singletracksound.com to check out his accomplishments, past projects, and to contact Brian about putting the finishing touch on your project. Again, that's singletracksound.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for coming out. This is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm psyched. Uh, so we'll start off with the I hate losing speech. <laughs> I do hate losing. But I, I've heard there's a, a speech that goes along with this <laughs> I hate losing motto. Let me hear it. Oh, I don't, I don't know it. That's why. <laughs> that I have a specific speech? Uh, yeah, that you have a specific, that you have had in the past a specific speech where you started off, I hate losing. I literally do hate losing, whether it's a card game, checkers, chess, anything. Uh, I literally hate losing sports, games, anything. Um, I, I've been like that since I was a kid. You can ask my siblings, but... I would say that um, I definitely have given speeches about that before, but probably different ones <laughs> depends on the situation. Okay, so there wasn't one one specific that you just kept to those. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure there was definitely a point in time maybe that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, one of the multiple. What came up amongst multiple people <laughs> when? Uh, 
when I reached out to them about this. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely do not <laughs> like losing. Um, I think that has definitely um, driven me. Like even even in school, like if I didn't get a good enough grade in school on tests and stuff, like that would just motivate me to be better. I don't know why I'm wired that way, but but I definitely am. <laughs> you definitely are, and your accomplishments prove that. Time and time again. Um, I want to know who threw me under the bus about that speech. Oh, there was more. There was more <laughs> than one. There was more than one person mentioned that speech. Um, all right, so you have won so, some big awards. Um, three-time first-team All-American. And that was just at Northwestern, correct? That is correct. And before that, in high school, you were also first-team All-American? I'm trying to find. I feel like you're stalking me right now with my uh, past past history in sports. I looked up, I looked up <laughs> a few things. I did a little research. Uh, I actually, if I try to say this name, I will butcher it. What starts I, with a T. I, I know what it starts with, and I know what word you're talking about, but I kind of want to hear you butcher it a little bit. <sighs> Tawaraton? <laughs> That's pretty good. That is better than most people when they say it. That's like pretty spot on. The Tawaran, yeah. Okay. That's pretty. That's pretty good right there. Most people butcher it way worse than that, and I wouldn't even call that a butcher. You know that wasn't bad. No, actually. it wasn't bad at all. Oh, okay. It did take, I did look at it though and was like focused on it a bit. I was like, <laughs> what could this sound like? Did, did you play it before I even got in the room to make sure that you, you heard someone else say it, that you knew what you were doing? Or you oh, just, no. no. Just, you, just, just right now? Yeah, just wing it. Okay. First time. I like it. I like that. Uh, that and the Susie Favor Big Ten Female Athlete of the Year as well. That is correct. What year, uh, what year in school were you when you got them? Was I the was, same year? it was the same year. I was a junior in, uh, in college at Northwestern. What made you want to go to Northwestern? It's a great question. Um, I, I was very fortunate enough in the recruiting process. I got to see a lot of different schools. Uh, and to, for me with Northwestern, first off, Chicago is gorgeous. Um, I absolutely love Chicago. Not in the winter though. It is way too cold. I think my freshman year was like negative 30 at some points with the wind chill. It was, it was brutal. Uh, but Chicago is awesome. Um, and then Northwestern's campus itself is absolutely gorgeous. You can see the skyline of Chicago from our field. Um, and Lake Michigan is pretty much, I don't know, less than 10 yards from our sidelines, which is really cool. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And especially on like really nice fall or spring days, um, you know, the, this, the field is, is amazing to play on. It's one of my favorite fields. And I, obviously the players on the team, I actually went to college with um, four of my really good friends from Long Island, um, you know, and that was a really, really, th three of us. There was three of my good friends, and so four of us total. That was a really great experience. Um, and then the team itself, the coaching staff. Um, and then they had what I wanted to study academically, um, which was economics, and they had a really good department for it. So um, kind of everything just fell together for me, and um, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I chose it because I have some really um, you know lifelong friends from that school. Well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm glad you uh, really enjoyed yourself. You definitely – accomplished what you went there for 
in lacrosse and education. You've since started your own business as an entrepreneur, correct? That is correct. That is correct. I, uh, um, my family um, owns uh, a club lacrosse program, so I've been involved in, in that in coaching. And um, myself, um, I ventured into running camps and, and tournaments. Um, I think that while I was in college, um, especially even post-college now, I look back on how lucky I was and how fortunate I was to experience so many things that I did. And I, I want to give back to the kids on Long Island um, to give them that, those opportunities to have different experiences um, and, and teach them uh, the game that I love so much. Uh, but yeah, I've been, I've been fortunate enough and, and ventured out into doing different things. And, um, you know, it's been fun. What made you get into lacrosse in the first place? You know what? I actually didn't start playing lacrosse until sixth grade. And I feel like kids nowadays are born with lacrosse sticks in their hands. Like I watch like sometimes third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders play. And I'm like, I think you had better stick skills than I did when I was like in college. Like they're just like <laughs> so good at such a young age now. Um, but when I was younger, um, I played actually baseball um, and I played baseball. I played like roller hockey, um, basketball and soccer were like the two sports I played at a young age on youth teams. Um, and as I was getting older, my dad was like, okay, we can't keep playing baseball. The boys are getting older. Like you got to play a different sport. Um, and at that point, um, one of our, um, family friends did Donahue's. Um, I don't know if you remember Carol yeah. Donahue and Shannon. Don yeah. yeah. So, um, their dad, Pat, um, was talking to my dad was like, Hey, can we borrow <clears throat> Shannon? She's athletic. We need to throw a lacrosse stick in her hand. And, um, I went to go play a lacrosse game with them and pretty much never looked back and, and had the stick in my hand ever since. I mean, I, I definitely played a little bit in the backyard, just tossing it around with my dad. I had cousins who played. Um, but yeah, ever since then, I, I just really never looked back on it. So the, Pat Donahue definitely uh, started me my first lacrosse game uh, in sixth grade. And then um, it just took off from there. History was written. <laughs> History was written in sixth grade by uh, Pat Donahue. I will never forget that. Well, shout out to him. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> um, so what was it like winning most outstanding player for the game, the championship games in 2011, 2012? Yeah, it's obviously like an incredible experience. I think like my favorite part of my junior and senior season was that the final four national championship were on Long Island. So, you know, being out in Chicago at Northwestern, like a lot of my friends and, and family um, couldn't come watch me play. They were able to watch it on TV when I was on the Big Ten or, or any live stream games. But um, to be able to be in that environment, there were so many people from Long Island that came out. Uh, there was a couple of us from Long Island on Northwestern. And uh, it was the atmosphere um, at that Stony Brook Stadium was was tremendous. Um, and my junior and senior year, we had a really great bond um, on the team. My teammates were awesome that year. So definitely a really incredible experience. But my junior year, definitely um, one of my favorite um, championships because we actually lost my sophomore year in the national championship to Maryland. Um, so we got to come back and, you know, we, we were on a mission that year to definitely win, um, especially losing after my sophomore year. We actually were winning in the national championship. We could I think we were up by like seven goals at, at one point um, and Maryland just had an incredible comeback. So um, it was definitely like, kind of like a revenge season for us. <laughs> Okay, and you proved it. <laughs> you proved yourselves. Was it uh, mostly 
um, a young team or your like the team when you played at Northwestern was mostly your age? Yeah. Does does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So I I would say it would be different. So my freshman year uh, was... You know, you guys are a really young team your freshman year and you all played together. By the time you got to, you know, three, four years of playing together, that's, you know. Yeah, so I definitely see what you're saying. So my freshman year, actually, we had um, an incredible, incredible uh, senior class. Um, It was definitely um, senior heavy, tremendous leadership, and um, a lot of seniors played that year. Um, And I was fortunate enough with a couple of other young kids to be able to play on the team. My my sophomore year, I think it was a mixture of young and old, um, trying to mesh it together. Um, And then I want to say my junior year – um, uh, our, the class that I was part of my junior class was definitely, um, and, and the senior class, we, we had some, uh, powerful players across the field in different positions. Um, and there was definitely a couple, there was, um, a few sophomores who were very good, um, that, that helped us. And then my senior year, it was definitely, um, a more driven junior and senior based team with a few young kids that, that helped us out as well. So I think across the board, there was always heavy senior and junior leadership. Um, but there was always young players that always stepped up each year, whether it was a freshman or a sophomore. Um, and, and I think that that's a testament to our coaching staff um always um relying on the younger kids as well not just on this on the on the senior leadership that it was any if you were consistent at practice and you were doing well you were going to get the opportunity to play on the field okay are there any of those girls that you or ladies that you still speak with on a regular basis from those teams or yeah, one of, some of my best friends, um, you know, in, in my life are, are from those from Northwestern and, and part of my teammates um, and, you know, speak to them. Some some of them, you speak to them every day or every other day. And and then there's a few of them that you can, you know, speak to once a month or every couple months here and there. And, you know, it's like you never stop speaking every you've been speaking every day, you know. So it, it's one of those fun things. And at some point you see th- people throughout um, uh, get togethers and stuff like that. And, you know, all the college members just flood back and, and it's a really great group. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate we can't all be in the same area. Everyone's across the United States living, but, um, you know, if you ever needed something, you can always pick up the phone and call them and they'll be there for you. For sure. Uh, did any of them join you with your club team and get involved with that with you? Or is that more you and, and your family? And not so much. Yeah, from- my, my family definitely runs the club program, I would say, throughout um, having it. I, I think we're going into our 12th summer. Um, my brother and I were talking about that the other day. Uh, but throughout that, um, there's always been a couple of my college teammates that have coached um, for us throughout throughout the summers. Um, because it was a great summer summer gig um, while you're in college or, you know, post-college. Um and actually, a couple of my friends own their own lacrosse club programs across the country, actually, in different states. So okay. um, I would say definitely a lot of my friends from Northwestern are either college coaches or high school coaches or involved in, in the club game. So definitely something, um, you know, a passion that came, that we took out of school was, was coaching and giving back to, to the young kids. Okay. And you coach elsewhere as is that correct as well? Still currently? <laughs> yeah, I currently coach elsewhere. <laughs> uh, starting your your ninth season. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, starting my ninth season with Hofstra, so uh, super excited. Uh, it's definitely going to be, be an interesting season navigating COVID right now, but uh, super excited to get to get to get started this year. 
Very cool. Now, does Hofstra play Northwestern? Do you ever do you get to go back to your old stomping ground and and see your old coach? Never been back to my old stomping grounds yet with Hofstra, but um, I, I have seen my my coach in in different different situations or, or scenarios and and stay in touch. Um, but Hofstra has not played Northwestern yet. Okay, are you looking forward to that day? I am looking forward to that day. <laughs> I'm going to hate losing on that day as well. I'm going to hate losing. Any day I hate losing. (laughs) (sighs) So growing up, who were some of your childhood role models? I I, I would say my parents. um, You know, if you look at it in that aspect, you know, I have a lot to be thankful for with my parents. They, they, They have allowed me to to accomplish anything I wanted to. Um, I'm sure it's not easy sending your child across in the Midwest uh, for college for four years. Um, And any dream that I've ever had, um, they've been by my side and and they have made sure it's been made possible in some way in helping me. Obviously, you got to achieve it and do the work, but um, they never stopped me from wanting to dream big and and to wanting to achieve things. you know, my mom is, is uh, my mom has this calmness about her. Nothing ever really rattles her. And I think, I, you know, I get that from her and, and she's a you know remarkable, she's a saint um, and, and she's a remarkable woman. And, and my dad is, you know, my dad's super competitive and, you know, always, he's a super hard worker. He would give his shirt off his back to anyone. Um, and I think that, you know, for them, um, you know, I owe them a lot for everything that they've given to me. So I would say my parents, definitely my role models um, and, and giving me that ability to work hard um, and want to achieve greatness in, in whatever I'm doing. Um, you know, I think one lesson they've always taught me is never half-ass anything, right? If I'm going to do something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it all the way. I'm not going to half-ass something because then it's just not worth doing it. So I think that's something that my parents had definitely really taught me and, and uh work ethic, right? Anything that you want, um, you got to go out and achieve. No one's going to give it to you. And and when you get up there, you got to continue to work hard because someone's always, you know, going to chase you to want to, to want to outbeat you. So I think that's something that, you know, my parents have really taught me and, um, you know, I, I would say for them, uh, you know, definitely role models growing up. Okay. Any additional role models as you grew into adulthood? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think for, for me, like, I, I think for, for me, for role models specifically talking about me, it's going to be like, like what part aspect of my life are you talking about, right? Like if you're talking about coaching, you know, you know, the men's coach and I, we have a really great um, relationship, Seth Tierney, uh, the men's lacrosse coach at Hofstra. And, and from day one, um, he's taken me underneath his wing um, from when I was a young kid, um, you know, being a college coach. Um, and we've had great conversations every morning. We talk every morning when we're in the office um, during breakfast. And um, we have some great conversations, whether it's about lacrosse, whether it's life, whether it's about your team or what's going on in the world, anything, um, you know, we can just um, sit down and, and have those conversations, just shoot the shit in the morning. And, you know, he's always there and he's a, he's a tremendous role model for me. And then, you know, obviously, um, you know, throughout college and, and playing and post-college, my, my coach Kelly, um, and, and learning so much from her throughout my four years playing college across and, and just everything from 18 to 22 years old. And, um, even now, like if you need something, you have questions, you know, you can call her and you just learn so much. And I, I would say, you know, friends, you know, you can reach out in, in different aspects of what you're looking for. And, and then obviously just like different athletes, right? Like I'm an athlete. So I think every athlete always has their role model athlete who, who they look up to and, and their competitiveness. And 
Um, who inspired you? Who was your athlete? Yeah, you know, I I think um, I think that's like it's a hard question. You know, I, um, you know, for me, I think that um, I really love Serena Williams and um, who she is on the tennis court and and who she she is so powerful and she just has that will and that drive, right? Like I'm never gonna lose. I'm gonna have even if I'm down, like I'm gonna figure out to win to claw myself out of this match. And I really love that about her and and her tenacity and, and ferociousness out there on the court. Like you can just see the love and the intensity about her. Um, and you know, I, I I know you're gonna think this is crazy because I'm a huge Giants fan, but I th- I believe you're Jets if that if I'm thinking about that right. Am I correct on that? You are, but yeah. it, it was more of a family thing. Yeah, honestly, I. Watching sports on TV, I never got into. The only sport I could really watch on TV was lacrosse. Lacrosse. And it wasn't even, like, if it was a Lizards game or the Saints, I couldn't get through that. If it was college lacrosse, I could watch it. There's nothing better than watching college lacrosse on TV. I I could watch that all day long. It's awesome. But football, like NFL, basketball, baseball especially. Yep. That stuff on TV, I have no interest. Put put on a movie. Put on a TV show. So I'd rather watch The Office. So that's <laughs> a great show. That's a great show. I'm friends. I love friends, The Office, all of that. Uh, funny story with that. So actually, um, Northwestern does not have a men's lacrosse team. Uh, really? So yeah, no. So um, so in May, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to oh, we, we were in the NCAA tournament and. Um, sometimes our games would be either on Saturdays or Sundays and we never had men's lacrosse out there. Right. So you can never watch men's lacrosse during the year. And usually on our off days on those weekends, we were all about watching men's lacrosse and see a tournament on the TV. So, um, we'd always have like the one house that people would go to and, um, we were flipping through the channels and I guess a lot of the games were like on ESPNU and we thought the games were on ESPN and we didn't know we didn't have the channel. And, uh, it came up, I was like, hold on, hold on. We're going to call the TV service right now. We're going to straighten this out and get it on. Um, and then right there, they put it on for us so we could watch it. But, um, I definitely know that feeling because in college we were all about watching that. And, And still to this day, it's a, it's a great game to watch. It's exciting. There's nothing better than playoff lacrosse. Although I do watch college basketball March Madness, that's a lot of fun to watch too. Okay, yeah. See, I basketball the sport just never, never did it for me. Really, it's probably to be honest. Um, a lot of people look at me weird when I say this, but I love playing basketball. It actually might be one of my favorite sports, even over lacrosse. Like, there's just something about basketball I always loved as a kid. Um, really loved playing the game. I love watching basketball on TV. I'm, I'm all about college basketball. Um, and I, I just really do, I really do love the game while watching it. Did Northwestern have uh, men's and women's basketball? Yeah, they did. Um, and, and being in the Big Ten, um, you got to watch some really great basketball games um, with, like, Michigan, Michigan State with Tom Izzo coming in. In, um, Ohio State and stuff like that. So you got to watch some like really good basketball games. And our men's basketball team had some big upsets while I was there. Um, John Cherna, um, who is my age, was a tremendous basketball player. I got to, he played on the Knicks a little bit. He's over in the European leagues now. Okay. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun um, watching those games. And actually, Northwestern uh, men's and women's basketball teams right now are like both ranked in the top twenty and, and ha- having an awesome year. So it's been really fun to watch those programs grow. Nice. So going from having competitive relationship with players from opposing teams and then working together, have there uh, relationships that really just 
did were well, you know, you guys just messed well and and have really grown or and how are there any rivalries that kind of never ended and didn't, you know, were off the field as well as on the field? Yeah, so uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's like one of those things, right? Like when you're in college and you're being super competitive in your season, um, I think like obviously when you're growing up, you play like club lacrosse, right? So you know a bunch of different people that you might play against on, on different college teams and you're always going to be friends with them. Um, but then sometimes like when you're in the heat of the game or after the game, you know, it's just super competitive out there on the field that like you're just, you guys are just going after one another. And I think um, – Sometimes you're just like, oh, that person's like mean, you know, or whatnot, or I don't like that person. But like, it's just like, that's because you're on 60 minutes on the lacrosse field in between four lines, like being the crap out of one another because neither of you guys want to lose. Um, and I think it was like something that oh, you can ask anyone. They always talk about that in any sport. And um, I was fortunate enough to be part of the USA team too. And whenever you went to like those training camps or those training weekends, like all the people that you're battling out with um, for those big wins, you know, you, you, you become friends with and you're super friendly with. And, um, you know, you just like kind of put up that different hat on. It's like competing with your teammates right at practice right You're, you could be each other's best friends but now you got to go battle it out on the field for that ground ball for for the spot or or for the higher ranking in the depth chart so um you know that that's always been fun um I think for us if you probably asked for any of my college teammates I would say that um a really tough team for us to play was Florida for some reason um we always struggled against them they matched up super well against us um and um you know we definitely struggled with them um and and then obviously like you know, if you ask, Maryland's always going to be a competitive game, right? It's going to be a team that, um, you know, we, we lost to them in the national championship, and, and that's always going to be a really competitive game um, because obviously those teams are always at the highest point of, of their play as well and super competitive. Good so, recruiting, good coaching. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. um, you know, I'd say those are, are two teams that were super, um, you know, competitive. Um, we actually never played Maryland during season. We actually only saw Maryland all the time during the playoffs, um, during the Final Four, actually. Okay. So There's a lot of film. Yeah, a lot of film, a lot of watching. But um, I would say those were kind of like our rivals and then UNC Duke like each team each individual team um you always had a different rival with them um and just because of like the history of the games or you know the win-loss record against that team or at what point in the season you're playing them so I think it, it, it was just always different and just depended on the year but uh, definitely Florida um and and Maryland and you know UNC um you know those are always you know big competitive games from us actually Penn was too when I was in college uh, that was a big rival game for us as well uh so yeah i would say those are some of the teams that we were definitely rivals with now what did any of those teams have players that were rivals here on long island before you got to college where you know they were a rival out of sachem and then they went to maryland and and kind of you know brought that same rivalry yeah. to college or um, no, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't recall girls. any of that. Um, okay. I don't think so. Um, you know, most of the people that were my age or a year above or, or below, um, you know, I, I would play with in club or played against. So you always had a good relationship with those players off of Long Island that were going to the bigger school, going to big schools to play that you would wind up playing against. So you, you had a, a good relationship with them from Long Island. Okay. How about you? Do you remember some of your rivals from from your playing days? Oh, do I like the the actual players? No. No, just the teams, right? Like those are the things that stick out to you. 
Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really call them a rival, but because the one year a bunch of us went to a camp that Bayshore was holding. Okay. So it was like all Bayshore kids and then like eight or nine of us from West Babylon. So we were like our old, our own team with like two or three of their guys. And then we basically played Bayshore and that, that camp got a little scrappy. (laughs) So when we saw each other in the season, it was, uh, South Shore kids from Long Island getting a little scrappy with one another. Yeah. Yeah. So it's such a surprise. (laughs) Um, So that game, I remember getting a little uh, reckless. But other than that, I don't remember having like actual, it wasn't like football. I don't don't remember it being like, you know, like we were with North Babylon with football. Yeah. If you were asking me from high school football for you guys, it would definitely probably be North Babylon. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, especially for me, my freshman year was Jason Gauntley and Scooter Berry and who's the quarterback over there? Lynch, Mike Lynch, I think. And then, you know, West Babylon had Jovan, Alton, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, Jason Wise was one of their good receivers. It was big rival games for you guys. It was great high school football games to oh, watch, too. wild. Wild. Some of the energy on the sidelines at those games. I remember breaking a, a, like somebody was jumping up and down a few feet away from it and broke the bleacher. <laughs> um, Nothing beats good high school memories with big wins or, or competitive yep, I rem- games. There's I remember, like it. I remember storming the field in, in North Babylon when we beat them Kevin's senior year. When we beat them on their field. That's awesome. Everybody hopped the fence. We were on the field in sec. That's like, awesome. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of energy, that game. But as far as lacrosse, I don't remember any like, we got these guys. Yeah. Or or you're looking at the schedule, like when are they, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and then looking for them in the playoffs. You know, I, I don't ever remember a team like that. Gotcha. But it was the same kind of thing, though. Like, you know, a lot of those kids from different towns, we all played on club teams with. Exactly. So you knew or, them. Or played, you know, the indoor leagues with. You know, and did Saints camp when we were kids. And, you know, then the Lizards camp, you know, a few years later. And, you know, there's the, the Saints camp they had at Dowling when I was probably in sixth grade, seventh grade, was... You know, I met kids that I still, you know, my senior year when we played Smithtown, one of the Smith, I forget where he was, east or west, but he was a Smithtown kid. And I remember at that game being like, yo, where's Rita? And, you know, and saying what's up to him. And then there's another kid, Alex, from Deer Park that, you know, when I, we became very close on a club team. And now, you know, still when I meet people from Deer Park, I'm like, oh, you know, you know this kid? And, you know, the last person I mentioned his name to was like, dude, I grew up with him. His mom loves me. I can go in his house right now. You know, I'll call them right now. Like right now, I'll pull out my phone and call him. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, no, it's good. We're good. We're good. But, yeah, so you, you, I mean, I get what you mean. You, know, you build real strong relationships yeah. in the sport and, you know, your talents don't matter. 
And once you're friends, you're friends. It's not really a rivalry anymore. Yeah, and I think it's also just like that respect level too, right? Um, Having that respect level for your opponent, um, for the team that you're playing against, and um, that competitive game that you put out there. I think like – you know, I always say like, I, I, you know, yeah, I hate to lose. Um, and if there's a one way you want to lose is you don't ever want to get blown out. Right. Like that really irks you. Um, but sometimes in those tight games, 11 to 10 or whatever it is, say 11, 10, you know, sometimes the ball's just going to fall one way. It's going to bounce the, the other team's way. And it was just their lucky day that day. Um, and, and those are the heartbreaking losses. Those are the hard ones to swallow. But if you know, you played lights out and you did everything you can and that other team played lights out, like, Sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles, and, and you got to be you got to be okay with it. Um, because at the end of the day, as much as you hate to lose, um, the losses are what fuel you and make you better. Um, and and at the end of the day, there's also a lot bigger things in life than than that than that lacrosse game. That is true. That is true. And that that perspective is, I mean, what i think drives athletes the you know to not dwell on you know to dwell on it enough to let it motivate you but to not let it like suck you in and get you depressed and oh my god i lost a game and yeah and no that, and that level of i totally agree and i think that especially if you know you did everything you can but you know as an athlete and and you always wanted to be at the top of your game or or having that drive you're always going to evaluate, right? What what could I have done differently? How could I prep differently? What could I have done differently in the game? Um, what decisions could I have done differently? But, um, you know, sometimes losses are better than wins because you're always going to learn something better. You're always going to learn something, and, and it's going to fuel you, fuel you never to feel like that again. Yep. Not everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> exactly. Although <laughs> in society nowadays, it feels like everybody does get a trophy. Uh, I didn't write the rule book. <laughs> um, so the club team, how you said you're a season 12 of that. Um, what were some of the things that you really focused on when you got involved with that? Like as a coach and as a leader, what are some of the things you really wanted to focus on with your players? Yeah, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, for for club lacrosse, it, it's really how you want to look at it, right? Like, I think for me, it was always about trying to make every player better um, and, and really teaching them as much as you know, um, whether it's basic skill things or um, knowledge on the field for offense or defense or, you know, game c- scenarios. Um, I'm, a, I'm an intense coach, and I think that during the games, um, it really just depends what pops up, right? Because in club lacrosse, it's different from coaching college where you're prepping every day and, and being prepared, where club lacrosse, you're going from game to game to game, and, um, you know, coaching's a lot on the fly, um, and it does make you better because you got to think on the fly to what's happening. Um, and, you know, you, you, you go out there and you want to teach the kids. You want to make it fun for them, but you also want to make it competitive enough for them and, and make them work hard. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, help prepare the kids for college for for the kids that are part of it that want to go play at college whether it's at the D1 level D2 D3 or or the club level and and helping them get prepared um, for that mentality and what type of mentality you have to have um, you know to get to that level um, and and prepping them both you know mentally physically um, emotionally for it um, throughout it and and one of my favorite things in the club is is to watch the players grow right because 
you know, sometimes you meet them in middle school or you meet them in high school and everyone's going through, you know, different stages of their growth of their bodies and growing into their bodies. And I think it's, you know, it's always fun to watch that. Um, and, and sometimes you go from the fall and you don't really see them again until late spring. And, you know, it's, it's always fun to watch how much the kids have grown. Um, and it's really fun to watch the relationships and the closeness of the players, because you remember playing on club lacrosse and, you know, some of those kids and, or those families become some of your best friends. So it's always really fun to watch those relationships um, build as well. Mm-hmm. And you were the head coach of a U15 team at one point? Uh, yeah, so we um, U.S. lacrosse runs um, like a, a national lacrosse, not, not like they do. They run a national lacrosse tournament. So it was for the U15 national lacrosse team, um, and we would send teams um you know, for, for, for a couple of years and, um, you know, go down there and compete. Uh, I was always in different areas, whether it's in Florida, then I moved to Richmond. It was once in Colorado. Um, and you know, so we would always, you know, try to get our club team to pass the regional, uh, base to get into those national tournaments against other clubs. And did you guys win a, the championship one year as a yeah, we did. Uh, my brother and I, um, you know, we're coaching it. Um, it was down in Florida. Um, it was an incredible, incredible win. It was an awesome game, actually. Uh, really was for both teams. Um, and who'd you guys play? We played um, the Yellow Jackets. They're actually from Long Island too. Yep. Um, and so it was a great game. Uh, both teams played um, unbelievable. Um, and. Uh, it was super exciting, um, and we were just on fire that game with draw controls and 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 our ability to score. Um, I'll never forget it. It was like maybe somewhere between seven to twelve minutes left in this game, and I, and the game was super intense. Like it was, it was intense. Um, One and end to the other, back yeah, and it, forth. It was awesome. It was awesome. Both teams played unbelievable. It was a lot of fun. Um, and we're in Florida and it starts like downpouring. I mean, I don't even think I could see like in front of me more than like three feet. Like it was downpouring. There's pictures of it. And I look back and I'm like, I remember that exactly happening. It was crazy. Um, but I think like, you know, those are the things that you remember. Like I I can't probably, I can't go through that game and tell you who scored and how that happened, but I can tell you exactly like when that rainstorm started happening, (laughs) because you like remember those like small bits and pieces of the trip um and you know it was an an incredible opportunity for those kids for the families um it was awesome it was a hard-fought game um the kids worked hard for it uh and it was an incredible win and how long ago was that oh that is a great question i want to say for some reason um some part of me wants to say 2013, but I'm not exactly sure. Okay, so those U15 kids are now in college. They're post-college. Oh, okay. Uh, they could so, either be fifth right years in the- college or or graduated um, somewhere around that age. Um, okay. But I, I don't know the exact year, but I want to say it was some somewhere around there. I don't know the exact year, though. Could then, it, it, 20, it was either 2013, 14, or 15. And then you were young for that. You had to be young for that. Cause. I was. I was. I was in my early 20s, I want to say. Um, I, I, I could. I knew the exact year I could tell you. That's bad that I don't know that. But I, I definitely, I want to say it was like around 2013. Okay. Could have been 2000. No, it wasn't. I wasn't in college. I was definitely out of college. I don't remember now. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, I wish I remembered. <laughs> Uh, in my research, I couldn't find the, the <laughs> dates, so I can't help you. Yeah, I'm going to Google that now after after this. Um, 
it's going to pop in my head when we're talking about something else. I'm going to have this like random thought of exactly when it was. All right. So let's change the subject a little bit. Um, when you were at, when you were playing in, in high school in West Babylon, the stats that I came across were 729 points total. And that broke out to 505 goals and 224 assists. <laughs> when you were in school and on those teams, did you focus on those stats or were you more just looking to play and, and have a good time? Yeah, no, I, I definitely was never really focused on stats at all. Um, I uh, I was just out there to go out and play um, and, you know, just just had this drive and this will to want to win every time we stepped on the field. So um, I definitely don't remember, but um, definitely a lot of fun times. I, I want to say, though, like um, – Alyssa Murray from West Babylon, she played up at Cuse. Um, she is two years younger than me. Um, she she has a high assist number total too because uh, you know she assisted a lot of my goals on cuts and stuff when when they weren't off of dodges. Um, we had like um, we had a good one two punch. Um, you know, growing up in 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 high school with our games, uh, we had some competitive games, um, some big rival games in high school. My my sophomore, junior, and senior year, um, as we started to get better as as a team in West Babylon, um, we had some really fun games, like packed out games too. I remember those, um, and uh, those were definitely a lot of fun. Okay. You're really d- digging deep into the archives here on these I, stats. I looked up a few <laughs> things. I, I mean, a lot comes up when you put your name in Google. <laughs> Not gonna lie. So you also do a lot of recruiting or help with recruiting when it comes to the club team. Do you ever kind of try to recruit some kids right to Northwestern that you've coached in the club team or is that kind of frowned upon or (laughs) can we talk about that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it is. Um, I think for, for us, it's so rewarding to watch kids, um, watch their dreams come true. Right. I remember that time, um, growing up, um, and committing to Northwestern and how exciting it was for me, my family. Um, and you know, I think for us, it's just so exciting. Anytime a kid commits at whatever level, whether it's D one, D two, D three, getting accepted into a school that was high academics and they're going to play on their, uh, on the club lacrosse team, whatever it is. Um, it's just so exciting to get that phone call from the parent or the kid and just hearing that excitement, um, in their voice, there's nothing like it. Um, and I think for, for us, it's about just like, helping the players, prepping the players, how to go about the college recruiting process, what do they need to do, how can they reach out, because it's an ever-evolving process. I mean, college recruiting, when I was going through it as as a student-athlete myself to where college recruiting was to now where it is, it's uh, it's been ever-evolving. So, um, you know, it's fun – helping the players and helping the parents. And, and it's a definitely a stressful time. I'm not going to lie. It is, it is definitely stressful. Um, and you can see that, but I think that, you know, our job is to try to make it non-stressful or kind of 
give them guidance to not make it stressful. Um, but there's nothing like getting those phone calls of, you know, the joy in those kids' voices of, of getting that commitment to where they want to go. It's, pre- it's a pretty awesome thing to see. And then, you know, for me, one of my favorite things is watching those kids wherever they go to college. Um, watching them throughout those four years, whether it's them playing academically, them being part of the team and, and watching them um, for those four years, it's, it's really remarkable. Well, they, I didn't wasn't able to find what year it was, but one an entire team of yours in that club league in that on the club level uh, committed to D one schools. Is that yes? Close? Yeah, yeah. There's um there's a lot. So I don't know the number exactly off my head. Like I said, we're going into our twelfth year. Um, and every year we've had um. We've had teams uh, commit, right? Um, and each year it's different where they go. We've had kids, um, you know, UNC, Maryland, Penn, Princeton, Yale, uh, Northwestern, um, you know, Stony Brook, um, Michigan. But we've had kids go across the board anywhere. Cornell, all, all these schools, right? Um, but we've but we've also had kids go to like. Um, you know, high-end division three schools for academics, right? Whether um, Swarthmore, uh, Middlebury, um, you know, unbelievable academic schools to go play. We've had kids go to D2, um, you know, and have great careers at a, at a Delphi, Florida Southern, St. Leo, schools like that. Um, and, you know, CW Post, although that now they're, they're LIU and they're D1 now, um, but we've had kids go all over the place and it's, um, it's pretty awesome to watch. Um, a former player of mine um, just, you know, got into a really high academic school and choosing to go that route. I'm going to play club lacrosse, and she was super excited to tell us. So, um, you know, it, it's pretty amazing to watch. And I think that's like the one thing that if someone were to ask me is it doesn't matter where you go to school, whether you're going to play lacrosse at D1, D2, or D3. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, what matters is your education because – you need your education um, for post college, and um, and it's about building those relationships, right, on, on the team and and building those lifelong friendships. So, you know, I think that's the most important thing, and I think everyone gets hung up on um, needing to meet these expectations or hey, I can only I can only go D one where like hey, you can go anywhere, right? Wherever you go, where it's going to make you happy and where you're going to find success, whether that's D one, D two, or D three, because all of them are going to face different lifestyles, right, and all of them are going to have different demands and different wants. And you got to figure out what's in the best interest for you because person A is going to be different from person B, who's going to be person from uh, person C, who's going to be different from person D. And it's about how do they find their own ultimate happiness and their own success. Um, and, and a lot always comes down to academics, right? You got to, you got to be set up for, for your future and you just can't focus your whole life, um, on lacrosse. And then after those four years, like, uh, now I got to go back to grad school. Well, you could have done something different with your undergrad and, and, and figured out lacrosse too, regardless of where you go. Okay. Good advice for the up and comers. (laughs) Um, now speaking athletically, uh, what were some of the drills or regimens that you stuck to to keep yourself in, you know, as competitive as you were? Uh, you know, was it like a, a, a run, you know, a certain amount of running that you wanted to do or, or had done? Um, I, I would say that uh, 
growing up, um, I was very, very fortunate. Um, my dad, you know, played a lot of lacrosse um, with, with me and, and uh, I had a brother too, my, my brother who played a lot of lacrosse too. And, um, you know, any extra work that I always wanted to put into, I could go down to the field with them and put that extra work in. Um, whether it was wall ball, I played a lot of wall ball every day. I was on the wall at the junior high school. Um, and I was always playing wall ball every day, um, both righty and lefty. And I would shoot every day too. Um, and I, and I think that's like one thing about me that if I could, I preach all the time to my players is you just can't shoot once a day and think that you're going to be this amazing shooter and have all these talents because it's just not going to happen. It's, it's muscle memory. You got to put your work in every single day. And, um, you know, in my basement when I was younger, uh, we had this like heavy blanket that went up in the back and there was these pink softballs. Um, they were shaped like a lacrosse ball, but they were super light. So like if you hit anything, nothing would break in your house. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, we would shoot, uh, you know, hundreds of lacrosse balls at night in the basement, um, and in the size of the cage and into this big blanket in our basement. Um, when I was younger, um, you know, I ran a lot. I would do push-ups and sit-ups. I was never, you know, didn't really lift until later on. Um, and while I was in college, um, I would shoot every day, every day, um, and, and in the summer and prep. And after my freshman year, sophomore year, and junior year, it'd always be like, all right, what one or two more moves can I add to myself that I need to get better at, right? Like, this is what I did in my season this year, but now mm-hmm. how can I get myself better? Because obviously this was what I was able to accomplish, but you're going to want to accomplish more. So um, my dad was always good with that to bounce things off, and he always had some ideas. And, um, you know, we would put that into, you know, my game. And I was just fortunate enough that my dad really understood the game of lacrosse and was a really great teacher of it. And um, he studied it well, and, and he understood what was going on. So I was really fortunate, but... I would work out super hard with my runs, had different runs that I would do, depend on the day, um, and I, I would work super hard with them. Um, and I actually really liked lo- running long distance. Um, post-college, I actually ran the New York City Marathon. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, I ran it um, uh, I, I ran it in the fall of 2013, actually, um, the New York City Marathon. So okay. that, that was a lot of fun. Do you remember your time? Uh, I don't. Um, it's okay. I don't know. I, I don't have it. I wish you'd be surprised if you look that up too. <laughs> uh, I actually did not know that. And if I did, I would have looked it up. <laughs> um, but that was an incredible run. Um, and yeah, I would say it was different, but I, I definitely put the time and effort into it. I'm not going to lie. I, I really did. And um, it was the same thing. Like I put the time and effort in basketball too. I remember like in my street, it would be pitch blackout. My dad and mom would be like, Shannon, you need to come indoors. There is no light on the street. And I would be there like shoveling away my different spots that I would shoot on because I knew I had a basketball game coming up and I had to practice shooting because I was either struggling or I wanted to make sure I was on for this game. And I'd be shoveling my little spots out in the street where the basketball hoop was so I could practice shooting. Didn't matter if it was icy or not. Like I was getting those shots in. So I've just always had that mindset. Um, And I think it was just because I always wanted to be, I always wanted to be great, right? And you always wanted to put that time and effort in. And you didn't want to let your teammates or your coaches down. So you had a big influence. They had a big influence as well as, I mean, like you said, you were fortunate enough that your dad really gave you a lot of the direction as far as drilling and how to play the game. Yeah, um, I was very fortunate uh, that, uh, you know, my family – 
you know, gave me that direction and instilled those values in me of hard work and, and wanting to have success. And I grew up in a big family. I have a lot of cousins and, um, I was always, I was always super competitive, right? Like, um, with everything. So, um, even, even to this day, like the other day was, we were playing like cards and dominoes and something else. And, um, you know, I was like, they're like, it's just a game. Like we're just having fun right now in quarantine. I had this like intensity in my eyes of like, I'm not going to lose this right now. (laughs) Um, So it it doesn't matter. It just like, it's just, it's just in me. That's great. That's amazing. Because there's some things where I'm the same way. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm nowhere near your level on anything, but there's some things where I'm just like, I am like this matters to me yeah. and it could be something that has zero effect on anything else that it's just a game in the moment, but I'm just not going to lose. Like, so, so where's your, I'm not going to lose speech. There you go. Uh, like, I, I, I'm not going to lose right now. I don't have, I don't <laughs> have it. I, I don't have what you have. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't have that. Um, but speaking of team camaraderie, uh, one of the things I've heard is you had a, a special um, huddle break. <laughs> Guess it depends what team. <laughs> uh, th- this this one was more of a whisper. I heard. <laughs> oh boy! Do you know which one I'm thinking about? Um. Maybe, maybe not. It really depends, I guess, what team. Uh, I think it was a club team, but uh, rip shit on three. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sound familiar? What team was that? It was definitely one of the club teams I coached, 100%. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I think that's, like, also the best thing about part, coaching club is just having fun with the kids. And, um, you know, sometimes you do play in those big games and you got to loosen it up for them. So it definitely changes. It depends. But I think this team is, like, super – I don't remember what team it is, but I have a feeling this team is, like, super intense. And, like, we'd always we would always say that at the end, like, top guns on three and then bring it in and, and, and say that. So, you know, and then uh, another team that I coach right now, it's always, like, right before the game starts, I'm like, all right, dance it out. Dance it out right now. Give me your best dance move. All right, bring it in. We're ready to go. So it's getting a pulse of your team, right, what type of, like, personalities they have and, um, you know, what's going to make them tick to, to do well, right? And you always got to read your players, like, what player do you have to get on, right, to, you know, motivate them a little bit or, you know, uh-huh. uh, what player do you got to yell at to get to get them going um, or, you know, what player do you got to put instill a little bit more confidence in right before that game starts. So I think that's also, like, another thing as a coach is, like, kind of reading and, and trying to figure out how to, how to motivate and, and how to, you know, push kids to be the best. Yeah, well, actually, one of the movies I saw again recently was Miracle. Oh, great movie. Wait, you know, the story of the Olympic hockey team and Herb Brooks. And yep. How he gets them all to become, you know, one team after playing together. And, and it actually seemed very fitting having this recording coming up yeah that's it that is uh that is a phenomenal movie um and an incredible story for u.s hockey and and the u.s in general with uh with that win um that that's definitely a really great movie especially that halftime that uh that halftime speech at the end uh it it fires me up every time i watch it (laughs) did you um i feel like some of your coaching techniques run very similar to herb brooks at least portrayed in that movie 
Um, did you get, did you ever read any books about coaching or look into it or was it just more of you going off your experiences with good and bad coaches? Because I mean, for me, there's as much as I learn from people who do things well, I also learn, I feel I learn just as much from the people who don't do things well. And I look at myself and say, I don't like, if I was ever in that position, I will, wouldn't be like that. I'd want to be more like this and, or I would do everything I can to not do those things. Yeah. So uh, it's an interesting question. I think, yeah, I, I think you can always write, you can learn something from everyone. Um, and whether it's something that you like or you don't like, or you were going to change. Um, and I think it's just so different, like being a coach now and, and experiencing things like when you're in the situations or you're in things happening, like, you know, it's, it's different, right? It's different when you're the person in it and having to make those decisions, just like if you're like the CEO, right? Like if you're not the CEO and you become the CEO, you're like, Oh, now I understand why. Oh, now I understand why these decisions are happening or this. So it's that learning curve. But I think like, um, Always, even from when I was a young age, just like always learning, grasping everything, right? Whether it's watching sports on TV, listening to coaches speak at half times, listening to game analysis, listening to um, my coaches speak before and after games, watching other teams play, um, you know, and I've been a part of a lot of different teams and been a part of a lot of different coaches and always taking things from them and learning. Um, and I think to this day, like I, I, I read books all the time. Um, I think that's huge or watching videos or, or learning about leadership or just anything, um, you know, it's huge. And and I, and I, and I like that. I like doing that. Um, any books you particularly love? Oh God. Um, I've, I've read, I read, um, Urban Meyer, um, I think is above the line. Um, I'm not going to be good with these. Um, I read Tom Conklin. Um, he's, he's really great. Um, I've read, um, different like leadership books with like Navy SEAL type aspects. Jocko? Uh, yeah. I've, 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 I have read that. Which one? Um, Cause he's got like six of them out yeah, now. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. Um, it, uh, it's a black with the red. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it is off the top of my Dichotomy head. Dichotomy of leadership? No, it definitely was not that. Discipline equals freedom. Uh, uh, no, not that. Okay, I think you've read all of his books. Do you I, have them somewhere? <laughs> I, I actually read one and I'm working on a second, but uh, there's a list of 25 books someone gave me. Gotcha. And the first book on the list was Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Gotcha. Uh, the second book is Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership. There you go. There it is. Extreme Ownership. That's the one. (laughs) That's the one I read already. Um, and then, so I'm trying to work myself through that list. Cool. Yeah. That's the book, The Hero Factor, uh, The Culture Code. Um, I, have read, I've read a lot of different ones that I have up in, in, in my, in my office at home and up in my room. I got a, I got a little bookshelf. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy reading and then I also just like enjoy like reading like regular books too. Like one of my, one of my, co- one of my really good friends from college, um, got me into it. Um, uh, Harlan Coben. Um, he's like a, he writes like, uh, mysteries. Um, okay. and he, I really love his books. I actually, we were on a, road trip in college and um it was gonna be a long bus trip and we were away for a long time and i was just like bouncing off the walls and she was like here read this and it was like i don't know 600 page i like could not put the book down i was like reading it reading it was like i think we had a uh, for some reason i want to say we had a flight we were going to california and we were out there for a long time and uh i remember my roommate being like uh you need to put the book down because you need to go to sleep we have the game uh, tomorrow yeah, like, uh, but that book was all i remember reading all the all those books um 
Um, he, he's really great. I actually got my mom into it too. My mom's a big reader. And um, I was like, hey, check out this author. Like, uh, it's pretty good. I, I enjoy reading him. What was that first book of his that you read? Um, I, for some reason, I want to say it was six years. <sighs> I don't think it was six years because I have that. It was in college. I don't remember the name of it because that's like, I don't know, how many years ago is that now? Like more than eight, more than 10 years ago now probably. Um, but uh, yeah, you're, my memory is sometimes shot with some things like that. You obviously have a very good memory with those details on books. Sometimes. Some things, some things my brain just goes, you're not going to forget this <laughs> ever. You know, there's... In the first episode, you actually hear Hoff when I were talking about uh, Lisa's old Freudian couch from being a therapist. He's like, she's had this couch, and I made a comment from you know back in the church when she used to work out of the church, and he was just like, "Holy shit, dude, your memory scares me sometimes." <laughs> but you can hear him say it low enough if you listen hard enough. I mean, because it's low. But yeah, there's some things that my brain just goes, "You're." Boom, you're not going to forget this. Yeah. And then there's some things, it's like, why Why did we need that information? Yeah. And it's like, oh, hello, it, it's important. Like, I'm <laughs> trying to think of it now, and I'm, I'm looking at you for the answer. Like, where is it? It's like, nope, I got nothing for you, about. That's great. But. That that is that you you do I could tell like even right now with like some things I'm like yeah I'm not gonna remember this book that he's asking me about but like you're you're pretty good like really quick on it and I'm over here trying to like figure figure oh, it out. No, I don't think I'm quick at all. But there are, like I said, some things I just rem remember. Like, I wasn't much of a reader growing up. And the first book that I enjoyed, I do remember. And, you know, it was James Patterson, Roses Are Red. My aunt was reading it, and she put it on the table in front of me. I picked it up, looked at it, I'm like, what's this about? She's like, oh, uh, a bank robbery and murder. I was like, okay. Perfect. Sold, sold. I'm a degenerate. Love to know about these things. What's going on? So she's like, read the first, uh, whether it was the prologue or, uh, uh, yeah, the prologue or the beginning, whatever it was. She's like, read the first few chapters. So I get, get through it, and it's literally guys stick up a bank, hold their family hostage at home, so they open the vault, steal a lot of money, and then somebody still got killed. I was like, oh, oh, I need to know what else happens. And that's what got me into books. And now I'll get into kicks and I'll read, you know, nonstop. And then there's times where, you know, I haven't picked up a book in three months just because I got this, I'm working, you know. Did you read a on. lot over quarantine? Uh, see, I didn't stop working. Gotcha. You know, I was one of the fortunate people that you know my job wasn't really i mean we were affected we definitely didn't have a banner year like we did in 2019 but um you know we didn't we didn't stop we didn't have to shut the facility down or anything like that that's awesome so good for you guys good for you uh yeah we were we were lucky so what what makes you go on your kicks for reading uh, I, I honestly couldn't tell you, I think it has to be the, the book, like what I'm reading. What you're reading. Um, you know, I, f big fan of Joe Rogan's podcast, came across an episode he did with this, this former Navy SEAL who became an author, um, Jack Carr, and he wrote The Terminal List, True Believer, Savage Son, 
and the devil's hand comes out in April. There goes your memory again. So, well, I just read them. <laughs> like I, I just read that. I read all three books. I ended up buying all three audio books so I could listen to it at work. Because one thing I like doing is reading the book and going at my own pace and visualizing the story as I read it. But once I have that in my head, if I listen to the audiobook, it's like rewatching a show. So sometimes at work when I know I'm going to be busy in the machine where I can't, you know, put on a TV show. I mean, yes, there are some movies and TV shows I don't need to watch to know what's happening. I can just listen to it. But you know, something about the books, like, you know, I can have one book last me an entire day. That's you know, awesome. If, if it's a 12-hour recording and, and I have a long day at work, you know, it's one whole day. I literally just press play and and don't have to worry about it till the end of the day. And, you know, then there's other days I want movies or TV shows or something else in the background. Nice. But, you know, I like a lot of podcasts. There's one, Cleared Hot, that I'm a big fan of. <clears throat> and that's another guy who's a former Navy SEAL. And did an episode on on Rogan's podcast, and then started his own. And he's had some really good guests. Really? Uh, yeah, there was one. Uh, her name was Samantha something, but there was a Black Lives Matter rally in Whitefish, Montana, and she was a woman of color. And there was this uh, white guy who was in her face screaming at her who was much bigger than her and, you know, in every way louder and, and really, you know, in her face. And you could just see in the video that she's, you know, weight on her toes, ready, you know, like just not backing down. And he was just like, I have to get her here for an episode. Um, so she did one. And then he did when he was in the, uh, in the Navy SEALs, he was part of the Jessica Lynch rescue, um, something overseas in Iraq or Afghanistan. I, f- I forget which one, but uh, she was captured and in, in, in a hospital. So they had a big rescue mission to save her, and he was on that mission and a part of it. So they sat down and, and had a conversation because um, it was really cool for – him to get her perspective of how everything was going and how she ended up there. And it was really cool for her to talk to someone who was a part of the operation to get her and, and see that perspective. So he does, he's got a a bunch of good guests. He does some jujitsu people. Jocko does an episode on it. Um, But yeah, he's uh, that one's definitely my favorite. I mean, Rogan's good, you know, the, the godfather or the whatever you want to call him of the of podcasting and he's had some great guests too that there's episodes of his that i just can't you know i'll re-listen to the one with daryl davis who was a musician who has planted the seed in over like 200 members of the kkk to leave the kkk and you know, change their mentalities and their their views, and and that was another great you know that's a great episode that I listen to all the time. 
Seems like you definitely listen to a lot of podcasts. Well, I got a lot of time at work. You know, I'm in the crane by myself, just scooping away. There you go. And, you know, I got time and... Would you rather listen to... When you read your books, do you rather read them or, like, listen to them audio? I like to read them first, Mm -hmm. so... Because even though the readers and the, the voice they use is very good... And I haven't listened to one yet that doesn't change voices for certain characters, um, you know, to give, you know, different life to different characters. But I still like to read it first myself okay, at my own pace, pick up, you know, and, and visualize everything, visualize the characters the way I it would envision them. And honestly... I might be just me or the, like, but sometimes I forget the author's description of the character. Like even in Jack Carr's book, when I was, there's one character that I forget how he described him. And to me, it's just this, you know, I picture, um, I can't even really describe like <laughs> who, who, you know, the actor or, that I would portray, you know, that I think portrays this character the best. But I kind of just fill in my own and then, you know, do it my own, you know, have my own idea of what this character embodies. And then, you know, based on the the writing, you know, so if the guy, you know, if the author describes him as being, you know, taller or thinner or, you know, chubbier or what, I, I just... In, picture my own you know who who i think would embody that character best gotcha and then go off that but the good thing about having the audiobook is i can listen to my work and it gets you know i get to basically like rewatch the movie in my head as i'm listening that's awesome that's cool it's great that you do that yeah i don't know how we got into that but (laughs) Um, I think it started off with books you read about coaching and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and then it just went off on a complete tangent. It was yeah, totally cool. It happens. I, I liked it, I liked learning about that. It happens. Get um, a little insight on you. Yeah. Uh, I I do feel like I am kind of reserved. You know, if, if listeners don't know me and like they don't, I don't think I've really opened up on many episodes to where I've shared. All right. Well, so, you you, sh- you just shared a little bit right there, so yeah. your, your listeners are going to get a little little insight, a little taste. Uh, but getting back, were there any books specifically from coaches or? I don't. I wouldn't say like anything that I. I pretty much any book that I'm probably going to read about coaching or or leadership, I'm gonna I'm gonna love. Right? Like it just. Um, but any that really stuck out that you would recommend. Someone, hey, if you're, in I'd a, probably recommend any of the books that I read, um, you know, to people to read because it's all, it's all about leadership and coaching, and it just really depends on like your mind. It's about culture, and um, you know, one of them is uh, I just read one recently, um, Seven ha- Habits of Highly Successful People. I think I want to say it okay. was, um, but like a lot of the books that I read, which I which I endure. 
with which I enjoy is not all of them are based on coaching, right? It's based on overall leadership. So you could use that whether you are um, working in your executive in an office or you're running a firm or you're running a business. Like a lot of the the books that I, I read, you know, can relate to a lot of different things, which, which I really enjoy. Okay. Uh, and do you know the names of any of them or remember... <laughs> oh, really testing my memory right now. I actually think that um, you give me a hot second. Um, I can try and remember some of these books um, for you. Um, but w- w- one guy that I really like enjoy reading is John Gordon right now in his books. Um, okay. they're really awesome. He has a lot of different books. Um, the energy boss is great. Um, it's about like positive leadership and having positivity and, um, you know, the, the struggles that people go through and, and how you can change your perspective on thinking and, and how you can, um, you know, overcome any obstacles or, or things that you're throwing your way on, on having that positive energy and, you know, how energy vampires are bad, right? People that, you know, just complain or, or feed that negativity and how sometimes it's easy to jump on that, right? They're having a bad day and, and having those conversations and how you overcome that. Um, but a lot of John Gordon's books are, are huge. Um, you know, the training camp, the hard hat, um, you know, uh, I, so the, the power of a positive team, um, how to win the locker room. Um, I really like the Tony Dungy book, Uncommon, um, Above the Line by Urban Meyer, Extreme Ownership. We talked about that. Toughness by Jay Ballas. That was a really good one. Okay. Um, you know, those, so those are some of the good books. Um, uh, Tom Conklin, um, Slam Dunk Success, uh, Phil Knight, The Shoe Dog, The Hero Factor, Inside Out Coaching. Um, you know, those are some of my favorite books. Um, and then, you know, just like... Um, and then I've just like read, I've, I've read a couple of like Malcolm Gladwell books, um, as well. Um, okay. I've read a couple of his books, the talent code, the culture code, um, a lot of John Wooden books. Um, and then, like I said, uh, Harlan Coben, six years missing you. Those are some of the books that I I've recently have read. Um, but you know, overall, um, I think a lot of my books again can, involve coaching but also just involves just like overall culture leadership living life mindset but yeah exactly a mindset um, lifestyle exactly so um, if, you, if you if it works here and you do it here it's going to carry over exactly exactly um you know actually we um uh we were talking about things maybe it was last year um you know we do like captains meetings and stuff like that and um you know something we were explaining to our kids on on hard work and extra work and you know one of our captains she was reading a book and she was like you know it it takes 21 days to make something to change a mindset and to make something permanent you can do it for 21 days straight um it's going to be easier for you moving forward to continually do something Mm -hmm. um you know and and having that discipline it takes 21 days to gain that discipline of doing something every single day you know because it's like it's like one of those things in new year's right like january 1st I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. I'm going to sign up, right? It's the, maybe not this year because of COVID, but usually January 1st yeah. or the 2nd is like the most days you see everyone yeah. in, in, uh, and then like in this the year- fitnesses. We're running on the treadmills. Um, 
and then it dies off, right? So it's it's about changing that and, and having to find that consistency and and um, that mindset and you know how do how do you stay consistent on that and and just make it something that's overall your life and and part of you, um, you know, as, as you move forward. It's all really about mindset and sticking with it, having the right plan and and right guidance. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I, I give a lot to my parents for the guidance they've given us and, um, you know, everything that they, they've allowed, you know, me to do and everything they have given me. And I'm, I'm beyond grateful. Well, there's uh, a few people who feel the same way for about you and how you've helped them. Um, I reached out to some of your former players. <laughs> oh, boy. And ask them for quotes or anything they'd like me to relate to you in, uh, for them. And uh, Lindsay Darrell says, You were intense in the best way possible and set the bar high enough that I was comfortable when I got to Northwestern. Uh, Sam Apuzo said, Thank you for molding and challenging me to be the player and coach I am today, as well as continually continuing to be a great mentor to me both on and off the field. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> Cynthia Kaur, thank you for your faith in me during my time playing with Top Gun. Your coaching was pivotal to me getting to the next level competitively, and I'll never forget your help when it came to college recruiting. And Jill May would like to say thank you, on behalf of the entire 2013 team for your time, effort, and dedication to the program and to their team. Wow. It's incredible. It's, uh, it's going to make me cry right now. It's, uh, sure. Those are all incredible, awesome kids. Uh, and uh, it means a lot that they, uh, they, they went on their way to give you that. Yeah, I reached out to it each gives me, one. It gives me, uh, I can't believe you went out of your way to get that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I sent out some messages. I got in touch with some phone calls. And when they got back to me, I just wrote down what they said. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no. Um, that's all from, from your girls direct. Yeah, yeah Lindsay Dow, she's great. Uh, she, um, I think that was 2014, um, you know, from, from West Islip and, uh, she, she, she was an very, very competitive. Um, and Cynthia Delcor had a great career, uh, at USC that was, that she was, she was awesome. Um, Jill May known her for, for years. We're, we're really, you know, close family friends and, um, you know, Sam Apuzo, uh, well, Sam and, Sam and I go back a long way and, um, uh, you know, to, to have Sam also win the Torton award, um, and watch her accomplish everything she accomplished in college. Um, and, and Cynthia Jill and, and, and Lindsay all accomplished amazing things as well. Um, but, you know, for, for Sam, um, everything she accomplished was amazing. We had a really close relationship and our families are, are very close with one another. And, um, and, you know, she's the other West Babylon kid, right. Um, to win another Torrent award, two kids from West Babylon. Um, 
in West Babylon, right? We're not, it's not like we're Manhasset, Garden City, Northport, or all these yeah, powerhouse it's... girls lacrosse programs. Um, and for, for to have West Babylon to have two kids that won the tour in, um, and coming from such a hotbed of Long Island, right? I think the only other person from Long Island that won it was Amy Appelt. Um, and, and she's older than us. Um, and you know, it's just, just incredible, you know, and good for Sam. She's, she's, she's great. And, and, you know, Lindsay, everything that she does and, um, you know, Jill May too, she's, she's college coaching and Cynthia's involved in, in club coaching and, and she's great. All, all these kids are, they're awesome and tr- tremendous families as well. Does your team, does your Hofstra team get to play where Jill is? Uh, no, no, we, um, Jill's over in Manhattan right now. Um, and Hofstra doesn't play Manhattan. Um, but, um, you know, I, I follow and and how Jill's doing and, and followed her in college, followed Cynthia in college, followed, followed Lindsay in college and followed Sam as well. Um, and all of them, you know, had, um, you know, tremendous careers, but, you know, not shocked by that because they were all incredible people and worked really hard and, and wanted that success. And those are some of the kids you say, like you mentioned before, you got to see grow from, you know, the very young teams, middle school, all the way up through college. Yeah, yeah, and 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 plenty of them, and and, and plenty of their teammates as well, right? Um, that they played with, and um, being able to watch them play, and and um, in college, it's just it's just fun, right? Like, and even like even now, what sometimes when I'm coaching in college, some of the teams that we play against are kids that I used to coach in club, and you know, it's always fun, you know, seeing them either out there or, um, you know, after the game. Um, it's just it's just really fun to watch and to see and to, and to watch that growth in their games and and to watch that success. And I mean, other than uh, the competitiveness, you know, between the clock. You know, the competitive time between whistles, I should say, you know, while the clock's running, once that's over, the on-field relationship, I mean, when you see those girls that you've coached over the years on other teams, you know, at the end of the game, you could still go, you know, you would go up to them and, and still say great game or proud to see that where you're at and and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, um, you know, it's 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 fun. And, and actually uh, – Crazy. Uh, this past this past year, um, before COVID hit, um, we we played USC actually, and um, uh, my assistant coach, actually associate head coach now, um, her sister played on USC, so that was kind of fun. Um, you know, uh, you know, doing the scout report and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So you know, again, it's 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 crazy, but um, everyone. You, Everyone in coaching and whether it's high school or club, you always know someone else on the other team. And no matter what sport it is, basketball, softball, baseball, everyone. So it's always fun to, to have that rivalry and, and to build that competitiveness. But also, like you said, when once the clock stops or the whistle's over, or, um, you know, you go back to, you know, you can take that competitive juice. You can take that competitive uh, hat off and um, go back to, you know, the friendship that you guys had. All right. Uh, I definitely understand that and, and remember it from my days. Is there anything you'd like to tell an up-and-coming athlete, student-athlete, things to focus on, any uh, any things to really drill into their, their <laughs> mental game or their physical game that they should train? Yeah, you know, I, I think, like, one of the biggest things nowadays is play two to three sports. Don't just play one sport, you know, go out and be a kid, get off, get off your cell phones. I I feel like when we were growing up, like 
cell phones and technology of social media and everything, it was not that big, right? Mm. You're, we, were, we were outside playing manhunt, playing playing tag, out on the streets, like playing different games, mm-hmm. kickball, roll. I remember growing up and in our house, when you came home, it was do your homework. And I would always do my homework as quick as I could, make sure it was all correct. And then I would go outside and play, right? So I could be outside as long as I wanted, run around. There's a lot of kids where I grew up around my age and um, you know, whether we were playing like hockey outside or kickball or, you know, baseball or wiffle ball, whatever you were playing in the street, um, manhunt, whatever, whatever you were doing, um, and just having fun and being a kid and, and being outside and enjoying the fresh air going outside. And I think that like, um, you know, so that I was uh, talking to a kid, I always tell them all the time, like, don't just play one sport, play two to three sports, play it, be a, be a tri-sport athlete, be a dual sport athlete. Um, play the sports and um, and then on top of that do well academically right because if you want to go play in college and you want to play sports it doesn't matter how good you are in that sport you need to have the grades to get into school in the two so make sure you're doing well academically you're taking care of what you need to um, you know and have fun like don't don't worry about I think that's the biggest thing with kids nowadays is they're so worried about social media and how many likes they have and how many retweets they have and how many posts. They have. Like, don't worry about that. Go out and enjoy life and, and be a kid. Couldn't and, agree more. And, um, you know, don't, 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 don't worry. Don't be judged or, or don't want, or don't base your life or your self-esteem or your confidence on social media. And I think that, um, you know, don't get me wrong. Social media could be used for some really great things, but I also think at the same time, um, too many kids are behind their cell phones and go outside and enjoy the fresh air and, and play sports and, um, do well academically do well. And then through sp- speaking strictly lacrosse, um, you got to put the time in, get on the wall, play a lot of wall ball, shoot, dodge, um, and, um, go out and work on your finer skills and, and have fun. And, and listen, no matter, it doesn't matter if you have a bad day, it's about how you react, right. Or if you mess up on a play, it's about how you react. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's about getting the ball back or, or working hard and understand that at a young age, everything's a learning lesson. And if, if you're struggling in something like, Go out and and figure out how you can get better at it, right? Don't get discouraged because listen, people grow at different stages. People, some there's gonna be that top one percent, right? That are just automatically yeah, there. Just talented. They're just talented no matter what. Like they just they just got it. Like they're that it's like it's like uh, when you're born, you're like you either fast or you're not fast, right? You either got the blazing speed or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, don't get discouraged by that. And everyone's gonna hit their peak at different times, right? And continue to keep your path and work hard. Know that you're doing everything you can to be the best. But don't don't um don't sit back and and think that you're doing everything you can or or don't um, finger point right like figure out how you can get the best but be a kid go out play sports get get off your cell phones you know go out play sports be play two to three sports do well in school and um, be happy right love life um, you know and um, smile have fun enjoy life and um, work hard work super hard and lacrosse like I said wall ball wall ball and shooting awesome. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to ask you a couple more things. Uh, what is your favorite word? Wow, that is like never something someone asks on it. Like, uh, it, it, I've never had that one before. Favorite word? Um, probably awesome. What is your least favorite word? Oh, sure. I hate that. It's like so indecisive when someone like texts you like, oh, sure. It's like, okay, is that a yes or is that a no? Or are you just like in between on it? 
what turns you on in life? Um, just like, hmm. Watching, uh, you know, watching the success and, and the happiness in, in, in my family members and, um, you know, the kids that I coach. What turns you off? You know, one thing that like, like, I guess this would be like a pet peeve is like when people don't hold the door for you when you're behind them. <laughs> And like the door just slams in your face. You're like, really? I was I was standing right there. You you saw me. You saw like me. The, yeah, I could I totally agree. What sound or noise do you love? Ocean waves. Ocean waves? In the morning. Okay. What sound or noise do you hate? Traffic. Honking horns with traffic. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I always want kind of wanted to be a doctor. Like a surgeon. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? I mean, knowing my personality, I would just probably figure out a way to make something work if, 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 that, if I was stuck in it. Like, I would just... Find some happiness Yeah, in it. I would find the perspective to, to be happy, to be lucky that I have a job. But there's any particular task and job you would just not... That you think it would take you the longest to find that? Mm. I don't think I could do um, like research, like sitting in a room doing like heavy, heavy research on something. Okay. And then lastly, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I don't know what I would want him to say, but I would want to meet my dad's dad. Okay. Hmm. Are you going to let that answer slide? No, that's a great answer. There's no, like, all of these answers, there's no real right yeah. or wrong. It's more of uh, something. So, like I mentioned, Rogan and, and Andy Stump's podcast that I. I'm a fan of, well, I'm more of a fan of James Lipton, who used to host inside the actor's studio and would have actors come through and different guests, directors, all, all these different um, careers and uh, all these different people. But at the end of every episode, he would ask those same type of questions. Oh, that's awesome. So he actually passed away back in March. And when I really committed to starting my own podcast and interviewing people, that's something I wanted to carry on as more of an homage to him and, and just to see what answers people would give me throughout the years. Those are definitely uh, some questions that make you think real quick on how you would answer it. Yeah. Those are good. Well, thank you for coming out. I really appreciate you making the trip. Thanks Hope for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll do this again one day. And yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Thank you for staying with us till the end. Since you made it this far, please take a second to rate the podcast. 
Whether you think it deserves five stars or one star, please give your genuine opinion. If you are a fan, be sure to subscribe so that you'll be notified as more episodes are published. Thank you again for listening. Be well, everyone. This message is for all the entrepreneurs and project team leaders that are in need of a graphic designer that is an expert with events, marketing materials, logos, and invitations. You need not look any further than melwalters.com. That's melwalters.com. Melissa was the mastermind behind the logo for Shadows on the Cave Wall. She has also done some amazing work with companies such as TED and Netflix. Check out her site and contact her at melwalters.com. That's melwalters.com. To any aspiring musicians or podcasters that need help with tracking, editing, mixing, and mastering the audio, search no further than Single Track Sound. Brian is the amazingly talented artist behind all of the original music played here on Shadows on the Cave Wall. He is the perfect person who can help with any size project. Head over to singletracksound.com to check out his accomplishments, past projects, and to contact Brian about putting the finishing touch on your project. Again, that's singletracksound.com.